A reading from the book of Genesis. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and its mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and its mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the air also, male and female, to keep their kind alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. And Noah with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came on the earth. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for all generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present wherever you are. So I want to tell you today about my nephew. He's five years old. His name is Martin. Uh, when Martin was, as soon as he could walk, this kid uh, demonstrated an absolute fearlessness of water. Anytime he got anywhere near uh, a dock or the edge of a pool, he would just hurl his whole body in. And he sort of instinctively knew to like close his eyes and close up his airways and to just let the water hold him. And he'd float back up to the top and trust that one of his trusted adults would be there to like usher him back to the side of the pool. It was sort of amazing to watch. And as amazing as his fearlessness of water was, you know, like sort of the reverse effect of that, his parents' fear of him being around water was significantly heightened. They were on high alert any time this kid was near water. Now you'd think, okay, well, we'll just require a life jacket. But the mere suggestion, let alone requirement of a life jacket was offensive to Martin. 
he did not have any fear. Now, Martin is an anomaly when it comes to water. Most humans I know have a very natural and healthy fear of water. We first learn to put our heads underwater by sort of splashing in the deep end for, or in the shallow end for a while before we're ready for deeper waters. So today we hear this flood story. It's a very familiar one. It's one we teach first to our children in Sunday school. But this story of the flood and Noah and the ark is one that is told because humans have a very healthy fear of water. Now, I, I came into the nursery today at Lake Nokomis Lutheran because we have this just beautiful mural of Noah and the, the flood and the ark and the animals all around this room. And so it's, it's a good place for me to sit and sort of immerse myself in this story. I think it's important for us to acknowledge as we set out to read and interpret and wonder about this story, just to keep in the forefront of our minds this very basic human fear of water. So the first humans that would have heard this story um, in the ancient world had a very, uh, very much a fear of water. So I want to say two things about those ancient Hebrew people that would have brought us this story. So first of all, their very worldview was very much wrapped up around the idea that water was all around them. And that meant that water was destruction and land was safe. The sea was dangerous. So we get a glimpse of this worldview in this image. I'm going to flip over to this image, and I want you to see in it that above is the waters of the firmament. There is the great deep, also waters, and then the waters of the abyss and the waters under the earth. You can see in this image water all around, and we begin to get a better picture of the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1 when we look at this image. Listen to this from Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. It says, and God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. So there's danger and fear in this image and in this worldview of the ancient Hebrew people. So when we get to this verse in Noah and the story of the ark, this image is also really helpful. So listen to this. It says this, In the 600th year of Noah's life, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. The rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Do you see in that image? The windows of the heavens were opened. It helps us to have this worldview as we think about stories like this. And it helps us to think about this in terms of our Christian faith. When Jesus comes and Jesus is able to walk on water and, and calm the storm, do you see how people would have trusted him? Because he can do something about the thing, the sea, that they most fear. So this very much a fear of water is central to the understanding of this story. The second thing that I think is important for us to understand about this ancient Hebrew uh, hearing the flood story is that flood stories were very common. 
very common. This is not the first flood story to be told. Every culture, every religion, every god had a flood story to tell. These stories were told to explain the tragedies of contemporary life. So humans used flood stories um, about scary water, uncertain water, dangerous water to make sense of the things in their own lives that were scary or uncertain or dangerous. Most of them revolved around actions and consequences. You did something bad, now look what God is going to do in response. But this flood story, this one is told in a new way. Now, it begins the same way, with the sinful human actions, God's regret, and God's plan to start over. But it comes to a very, very different conclusion than all of the other flood stories. This one talks about a God who is in relationship with God's people, a God who changes God's mind, a God who interacts with creation, a God who makes a promise and keeps it. Now, making a promise is a very vulnerable thing to do. The powerful gods of the ancient Hebrew culture did not indebt themselves to mere mortals by making promises. That would be madness. That would be weakness. But the God of Israel does make such a promise. The God of Israel says to the people, I love you. This God offers mercy. This God's God vows to love them and not to destroy them. So today, we're beginning this new theme in our worship, the way of Jesus. And we're looking at these biblical stories to see how it is that we are called to live in the way of Jesus. And then in our Wednesday night worships, we're going to have members of our congregation who are going to share their stories of their life and how they have sought to live out that way of life of Jesus in their lives. And I think we're going to hear successes and failures and how we continue to live into the promise. So why are we starting a, a theme on the way of Jesus with a story that doesn't have Jesus in it? Good question. This story of Noah, it comes from the Hebrew Bible, and we in our, our Christian tradition have often called this the Old Testament, but for Jesus, it was the Bible. This was the Bible and the stories that he grew up learning, stories that helped him to learn to trust in his God. The, the stories of these ancient Hebrew people that were the ones that Jesus grew up knowing and knowing that his God, the one he called Father, was different. You see, the people, even in Jesus' time, were still holding on to this theological belief that bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people, and that God decides who's bad and who's good. Now, we know that there are still echoes of this theology in our modern Christian churches. Um, people might say, oh yeah, the big man upstairs is looking out for me. I must have done something right. Or they twist that around and say, I don't know what I did for God to give me this. So we have that piece of, of theology in our uh, understanding today, and it's a little bit dangerous. Noah, we are told, as the story begins, is a righteous man, and he is lifted up for that. So you can see where this theology comes from. He's good and his family is getting saved. But as we keep reading, we find out that Noah is imperfect. He's sinful. He makes mistakes just like you and me. After the flood, after they are back on solid ground, Noah and his sons participate in some pretty questionable and tasteless activities. 
And at this point, God could once again send a flood, be disappointed, want to start over. But God remembers the relationship God made with these humans and continues in God's promise to them. Now, this promise is made not just to Noah and Noah's family, but in Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, we read that the promise is made to all living creatures of every kind. All living creatures of every kind. That is a bold new promise. That is a bold new promise that has not been made before. It is not just for the good. It is not just for the righteous or the faithful or the obedient. It is for all living creatures of every kind. One commentary that I read put it like this. This commentary said, The covenant between God and all flesh is between God and every girl, woman, boy, man, and intersex person, every lesbian, gay man, bisexual, and transgender person, every atheist, agnostic, and religious person, every Muslim, Christian, Jew, Buddhist, Hindu, Wiccan, and pagan person, every person of ability and perceived limitations, every person of any nationality, ethnicity, or racial construction, or category, and even includes those who defy and explode the categories. All living creatures of every kind. And so today, as we consider the way of Jesus, our word is obedience. Now, this could be confusing, just like that dangerous theology I described earlier. Uh, We often think about strings being attached to obedience, right? Be good, get rewarded, misbehave, get punished. But this wildly inclusive God of ours, the one who has made a promise to every living creature of every kind, this God asks for our allegiance, our obedience, our trust in a very different way. We are, we are obedient not in order to earn a reward, not in order to earn God's love or mercy or favor, but in response to God's inclusive love for all living creatures of every kind. A God this generous, a God who is so overflowing with love, must be worthy of our obedience, must be a God that we can trust. Now, I think there are times when for me anyway, where I have to trust even when I do not understand what is happening. There are times when I have been asked to trust um, and be obedient, even when I thought the current situation was not a path that I really wanted to be on anymore and I was angry. There have been times where I have been called to be obedient and faithful with my prayers, even when they seemed pointless and when they seemed to go unheard. There have been times where overwhelming grief and anger have left me confused and unlikely to respond in obedience. I wonder if you can relate to times like that. And into those moments, I think we go back to the water. Into these moments, I want to tap into the fearlessness of five-year-old Martin, who will throw his whole body in trusting that he'll float back up, trusting that he will be kept safe, trusting that there will even be joy in the experience. 
Honestly, these moments can leave me wringing my hands and wondering how can I possibly do it. So I appreciate this image of throwing one's whole body in, in faithful obedience. You know, I've come to believe that this is why Noah's Ark is a children's story, because they understand gathering up your things, your animals, following instructions, getting on a boat for safety, and being uh, trusting in God to carry it out. They don't get caught up in who's in or who's out. They don't get worried about the intricacies of every little part of the plan. They care that God is giving them a safe place and shelter from the storm. They care that the animals are there too. We are given this biblical idea that the way of Jesus is a childlike faith. This is not a perfect faith. We all know that children come with tantrums and stubbornness and disobedience. Just ask my mom. But ultimately, they trust in the people in whose care they have been placed. And so for us, this is the beautiful gift of the waters of baptism. Here in these waters, we are safe. We are named and claimed children of God. Even in all our tantrum-throwing and stubborn disobedience, we are held in the grip of a loving God. She picks us up, comforts us, wipes away our tears, listens to our concerns and our sadness, and then sets us down again to live in this brand new identity. This God, the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Noah and his family, the God of Jesus and his followers, the God of you and I today. This God is worthy of our faithful obedience. Now, throw yourself into that good news and then proclaim, thanks be to God. Amen.